Log Talk Radio. No, she's not. She she got sick kids she's dealing with today. Her daughter and son. No, they just huh? This week? This coming Tuesday. All right. Right. Hey, any of these? Like, like, like that one? That's what a friend we have in Jesus? Yes. If 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 you got a low registry and then a higher one, if you can play it a little bit higher key. Okay. Like I think that one's C. What I played that one. But I mean, I think you played it in L. Well, it's, I don't know. It's in a flat. But anyway, we can do it. We can do it a little higher. And any of these that you run into where you think you can go too low, just go a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. Got to work. Give me just one second. It'll all be good. Give me just one second, sister. We'll make sure I'm. So we'll make sure this is. Let's take 
take our songbook and let's turn to number 36 and stand together. Shelter in the time of storm. It's good to be in church this morning. 36. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. Shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. Shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. No fears, alarm, nor foes affright. Shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms around us beat. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, oh, refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Amen. And we certainly live in the time of storm. This hour we're living in. But thank God he's our shelter and he is our rock. And we can rely on him. And though the shifting sands may shift around us, we stand upon the rock, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we need not fear and we need not worry. God has got it all in his plan. Amen. Prayer request this morning. Nobody's going to jump. I'll tell you real quick. Pray for, pray, for, uh, pray for our son and daughter, J.D. and Megan. Both of them got sick this weekend. Wasn't at our house, but they got, they got sick, and uh, – She's and Stephanie's out this morning making sure that they uh, got what they need and they ain't got COVID. So anyway, she hated to miss this morning and, and told me to tell everybody she loves them and, and she'll see them soon, but hopefully we can get all this resolved and she can get back over here. But anyway, pray that it ain't COVID because if it's COVID, I'm going to have one in my house with COVID. So, And I don't know what that means for us so we got to figure all this out so let's let's just make sure and pray hard that that all works out i don't think it is though i really don't uh, anybody anybody else prayer request miss charlotte pray for our nation. yes ma'am absolutely pray for our nation these troubling times we're in these, and there's and i don't even think i don't even think that most people in this country have any idea of the of the massive scope 
of evil that exists within our government. The massive, uh, it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of corruption that's been going on for so long unchecked. And now it's trying to be unearthed, and every force of evil is trying to keep it covered. Satan's business is to keep things covered. You realize that? That's, he, he, I mean, the word occult means hidden or covered. And the occult is certainly Satan's world, and every force of evil is working to try to keep all of the nefarious deeds of those who are trying to destroy our freedoms and liberties, trying to keep those things covered. So pray that it will all be exposed into the light of day. Pray that, that uh, those who, who deal with justice and truth, that they ex- execute their, uh, their duties right, uh, according to our Constitution, that, things are, that, that those who are guilty are uh, held accountable, whether it means execution or prison time. Either way, treason has been committed in our land, and it's time that the people of God uh, pour out our hearts to God and cry out if we hadn't already. We need to do it now. We need to do it all the time. We need to, we need to, we need to send up a steady stream of pleas to God on behalf of our nation because this is real. This is, this is sink or swim stuff. This is not a joke. This ain't, well, it'll all blow over. We're heading into a time a pivot point in our nation's history. We will either continue on as a free land or we'll be a socialist, uh, communist, slash communist country who's headed for globalism. So it's as real as that. God has it. Now, don't get me wrong. God has it. It's all according to his plan. But I believe with everything in me that his people are to cry out for things to be right in this land again, for this to be, a, for God to give us a reprieve, for God to give us a time of, of refreshing, for God to, Raise up uh, people who will go throughout this land preaching the gospel and turn this nation back to God. I'm still a firm believer that it can happen. God is not, God is not a quitter. And if God wants to see this thing go further, then it will. So I ask you, I implore you, with everything in you, cry out for your nation. Other prayer requests this morning. Okay, yes, that's right. She's going into the hospital Tuesday. And... Uh, Pray that pray that's a success and you mend up quick. Amen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. And pray for Robert because he's gonna take care of her, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know Phil Porsche. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. I've met, I've known him for over twenty years, I guess. Anybody else? Anything else? We can take it to God now. We don't. We, we can't do much with it till we take it to God. All right. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Amen. All right. Everybody eat enough. Have good food. Good time. Good fellowship and everything. Well, amen. We'll be praying for that. So, and uh, we got. Well, after church, we've got my granddaughter's birthday party. So, y'all pray for us too. But I got a question for you. We normally this is our this is our last Sunday month. I know we're not eating. Are we coming back tonight? Or are we not? We are coming back. I didn't know we planned to come back tonight or not. Huh? Okay. Okay. Well, we'll normally do it then. So y'all pray for me. I got a lot to get done this afternoon. So I need to hurry. (laughs) Any other prayer requests? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated.
Number 124, Are You Washed in the Blood? 124. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Number 342. 342. I've got a quick question. Do we repeat that last line twice? Do we repeat that line twice? Yes. Okay. Good. I need to make sure before we started that one. Amen. Number 342. I gave my life for thee. Sing it out good and strong. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? My Father's house of life, my glory encircled throne. I left for earthly night, for wandering sad and lone. I left, I left it all for thee, hast thou left aught for me? I left, I left it all for thee, hast thou left aught for me? I suffered much 
more than thy tongue can tell of bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I've borne, I've borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me? I've borne, I've borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me? And I have brought to thee down from my home above salvation full and free, my pardon and my love. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? 37. 137. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crown brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou Tenderly mourned and wept Angels in robes of light arrayed Guarded thee whilst thou slept Lest I forget Gethsemane Lest I forget thine agony Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me like Mary through the gloom, come with a gift for thee. Show to me now the empty tomb. Lead me to Calvary, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee. Even Thy cup of grief to share, Thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Amen. Well, praise God. I had that one on my heart this morning when I was getting ready. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew 26 with me. Matthew 26. I will try to move rapidly, but I want you to pay close attention so we don't miss anything. I'm mindful every time I step behind this pulpit of this little sign that's up here that someone left a long time before me, which says, Sirs, we would see Jesus. And that's my intention this morning, as it was last Sunday morning. 
the best that, that the Lord will allow me, I want you to see Jesus. I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to hear me, but I know you will. But I want you to hear what God has to say and not what I have to say because my words will fail. My words are, are don't amount to a hill of beans. It's what God said and what God did that matters. And I ask you please to pray for me because I'm just a human being, a vessel, and, and I'm frail. And I'm not able sometimes to think uh, to, for, to come up with the words to express myself. And then when I come to a, a passage like we're looking at this morning, I feel extremely under the, under the gun. I feel extremely uh, limited. I wish there was somehow to, to get me out of the way so that my human limitations wouldn't hinder you because that's, that's my greatest uh, fear. So Matthew 26, let's read together. And we'll, we'll read 36 through 46 as we did last week. So let's start there. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. I said, oh, Matthew 26, 36 through 46. I'll let you get there. Matthew 26. 36 through 46. All right. So picking up in verse 37, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face. And prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he unto his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Father, help us now. Lord God, as we come before the throne, Lord, we pray that you might pour out your Spirit, Lord, and be liberal with it. Father, I pray you be generous and pour it out upon us. Pour the Spirit of God, Lord, out in our souls and our spirits, Lord. We pray, Father, that you'd stir us, Lord, that you'd wake us up, Lord, awaken our, our spirits, Lord. May we look up, Lord, and, and behold thy glory this morning. Lord, may we realize the depths of the suffering of our Savior, Lord. May we somehow surpass our human frame and glimpse beyond this old, this old miserable condition. And, Lord, see with, our, with, with the eyes of faith the glory of our Savior. Lord God, I pray, Father, anything in my life, Lord, anything that displeases you, Father, forgive me, cleanse me. Make me a vessel fit for your honor. Lord, I pray, Father, that I couldn't hinder you. Lord, I pray that I'd be out of the way so, Lord, I wouldn't be able to be a hindrance to you. 
Please, Father, sanctify me. Use me for your glory. Sanctify these thy people. Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would would stir within us all. Lord, that we might see Jesus. Lord, that we might behold him in his true glory. Please, Lord, meet with us today. Lord, I pray you'd save the sinner nearest hell. Lord God, we pray for the Spirit of God to draw sinners to repentance and unto salvation. We pray now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, I don't want to. I don't want to build. A, I don't want to do a lot of introduction. I think we know where we're at. We've been here, and uh, we were here last week. And as we looked at the passage last week, we saw some things. We only looked at verses thirty-six through thirty-eight today. We're only going to look at verse thirty-nine. So, but let's look at the last three verses just for a second. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane. You remember what Gethsemane means? It means olive press. It was a place, a commercial olive, uh, olive oil operation there at the foot of that of the mountain there, and and in that grove that was where the press resided, and, and and Jesus was pressed, and I believe that's why it was it was there. I believe all those things worked together to give us a picture of what our Savior went through that night when the weight of the sin of the world was pressing down upon him in his agony there in the garden as he prays to the Father, let this cup pass from me. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. He took with him Peter and the two, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, and the Bible said he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. It wasn't just that he was sad. No, he was under the crushing weight of the sin of the entire world of all history bearing down upon our Lord and Savior in that garden that night. It wasn't on him when he was walking uh, from, from the upper room. It wasn't on him when his disciples were gathered around him and he was in prayer. But once he entered into that garden, God began the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ by putting our sin upon him there. Now, and he said in verse 38, My soul is exceeding sorrowful beyond anything I've ever... Uh, experience beyond beyond sorrowful beyond if, if there was a limit to sorrow that the greatest sorrow man could experience this went beyond that this went this went beyond one man's experience because this is not one man's experience this is every man's experience all condensed on jesus let me just say this to you i've done some thinking this this week on this subject and I think about every serial killer that, I didn't think of everyone, but I thought about the, the, the mass of serial killers that have lived throughout humanity and the dastardly, hideous, twisted, wicked deeds that they've committed. And all of those sins were upon our Savior. Every rape that's ever been committed, all of that was placed upon our Savior. Every child that's ever been molested, every, every person who's ever been tortured, Every crime that's ever been committed that was all piled upon our Savior. The things we see happening in our streets today, the things we sit and shake our heads about, that was all piled upon our Savior. All the atrocities, all the work of the Holocaust and the, and, and the concentration camps, all of that was placed upon our Savior. All of the atrocities of all of the killers of all time were placed upon our Savior in that garden the sin of the world. And as we look at this, I want us to keep that in mind. I want us to look at this exchange between him and his father when he was in this agony. 
And being in this agony, he prayed. And let me just say this, prayer is never a bad time for prayer. Prayer is always on time. It's always time to pray, but especially when you're in agony. Now I want us to look, number one, the place where he prayed. The Bible says here he went a little further. He withdrew from Peter, James, and John that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Isaiah 63, 3 says, I have trodden the winepress alone. He got alone for prayer. When a, troubled, when a soul is troubled, that soul finds the most ease when they're alone with God, not with company of people. God understands the broken language of sighs and groans. People don't. Christ is teaching us that secret prayer, it's got to be done secretly. It needs to be done in private. And yet some, there's some commentators, they think even the disciples, you remember he told some of them, he said, y'all wait over there. And he only took James, John, and Peter with him. But there's some that thinks maybe, maybe those that were at the gate heard him because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 5, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying, the Bible says. Our Lord was crying out in agony, you understand. He wasn't crying out in agony so that they would feel sorry for him around him. He was crying out in agony because he was in agony. He couldn't find relief from his agony. The Bible said he's sorrowful unto death. He, it was a killing agony that was upon our Lord. And we put that agony on him, you understand. That agony came from us. It's our sins that caused that agony. And it ought to cause us grief when we look at this to realize how vile our sins are. And I know I haven't been a serial killer or a rapist or, a, or some kind of a sick individual like some of these we described, but yet even though, even though I haven't stooped to that low and you haven't stooped to that low, if we were to go back and look over the course of our life and really examine our life, we would be disgusted with ourselves. I don't care how good of a person you think you've been. If we examined every, every nook and cranny of your history, you would be horrified. And so would I. I feel like me, maybe more than some of you, but I would, I, we would all be horrified. Of course, I don't know your history. But he was crying out. He went a little further. I want you to notice his posture in prayer. The Bible said he fell on his face. He fell on his face. What does that tell us? That tells us of the agony he was in. The depths of his sorrow that he endured in that garden. The Bible tells us about Job. When Job was in great grief that he fell on the ground. Job 42 verse 6 he says, wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He was in the dirt. So was our Lord. Our Lord didn't have anything to repent of. Our Lord had no sin he was guilty of. But yet that sin put him on his face before God. The weight of it put him on his face before God, crying out in agony. Rolling in the dust is an expression of great anguish. Anguish. We see that in Micah one ten. The Bible talks there. It says, "It says, declare it, declare it, uh, declare ye not as gath. Weep ye not at all in the house of Aphra. Roll thyself in the dust." It was talking about some that were that, that, that didn't even need to cry out. They need to do something further than that. They needed to roll themselves in the dust. 
I've been there. I don't know about you. I don't know where you've been in your prayer life, but I'm going to tell you there have been times where I felt so overwhelmed and, and so needy, I just stretched myself out flat with my face to the ground and cried out to God. And if you've never been there, you ought to get there. These days demand prayer like that. He was in agony, folks. It also it also tells us of his humility in prayer. This posture he was in, stretched out face down in the dirt of the ground. It was a reverential posture. Again, he just talked about that. Uh, well, I won't, I won't reference that. I'm going to get to it later. But anyway, he had just he had just referenced that in his humility, um, in which he had offered up these prayers. <clears throat> he was he was being reverential toward his father, but it was while he was in his flesh. <clears throat> he he humiliated himself by stretching himself out like that. Now I want us to look at I want us to look at the, at the prayer, but but before I depart that let's let's just you know let me just say this I'm not trying to jump on you and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to belittle you or make you feel bad or anything else, but I I will say this it's, I find it so hard, and I, it's not just this church it's any church I've been in any church I've preached in I find it so hard for people to get up from their pews and come down and kneel in front of the church congregation. I think it's maybe we feel like, I don't want everybody looking at me while I'm up there kneeling. I don't know why, but it used it used to be. I'm, I'm just saying this. used to be when I was younger, you'd see a lot of people go to the altar and pray. But in these days, it seems like nobody wants to go to the altar and pray. But yet Christ is stretched out flat on the dust of the ground for you and I because he's in agony because of us. Now, I just want to bring that to your attention. I just want that thought to roll through your mind. He laid flat, flat in the dirt of the ground for me. Yet, when's the last time I stretched myself on my face for him? Because I love him, because I need his strength. But let's look at the prayer. And I want us to look at three things in this prayer. I want us to look at the title he gave to God. What does he say? Oh, my Father. Oh, my Father. There was a thick cloud over him. But yet through that thick cloud, he could see his father. And he was still his father. Through that cloud, as thick and as dark as it may be. And I'm going to tell you something. You are going to go through some times in your life where it is thick and black as can be and you can't see your hand in front of your face, spiritually speaking. And you say, where's God? Where's God? But I'm going to tell you something. He's still your father even though you can't see his face. You remember that. Jesus didn't give up and say, well, he left me. No, he cried out, oh, Father, even though the Father had laid the weight of the sin of the world on top of him. It's a special comfort to know that he's our Father when we're in agony. You know that? That comforts hearts to know that. He's there. He loves you. You say, why would he allow me to go through this? God has a plan we can't see and understand. We go through some things sometimes and we think we're going to die. Christ himself felt that way that night. I mean, where should a child go when he's grieved? A child ought to go to his father. Daddy can fix it. Daddy's strong. Daddy's able. He can fix it. I realize there's some things daddies can't fix. Sometimes daddy can't fix a broken heart. 
Sometimes daddy can't fix a hurt that's hurt so bad that daddy can't do nothing about it but hold the child. But I'm going to tell you something. Though earthly daddy can't fix it, our heavenly father can fix things that we can't fix. And Christ cries out for it. I want us to look at, in this prayer, the favor that he begs for. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, something I find interesting about this is that he calls it a cup. It's not a river. It's not an ocean. It's a cup. You can see the bottom of a cup. You know it's not going to last forever. If it was a river, it'd just keep on coming. But it's a cup. It's got an end to it. And when we're, when we're under troubles, listen, we, we, we need to make the best of our troubles and not make our troubles worse. We need to realize there's an end to our troubles too. God did not just set us in a perpetual trouble. God allows us to go through them, but he allows us to get through them. Jesus here begs that this cup might pass from him, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? And we're going to explore this thought. I want you to understand this. For years, I've studied this this phrase, if it be possible, that this cup pass from me. And 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 I've I've looked at it, and I've said, what did... How did he exactly mean that? I mean, what, what did he exactly mean? So we're going to see that. I want, you to, I want you to understand that. So he does. He begs that this cup might pass from him. He prays, he prays that he might avoid the sufferings now at hand, or at least that they might be shortened. Now, what does that show us? I think it shows us this, that he was truly and really a man. He was a real human being. No, he was God too, yes. He's, again, like I said last week, he is very God, which means he's 100% God. But he's also 100% man. He is as much man as he is God. And in his flesh, in his human flesh, he cries out, Father, Father. If I can escape this pain, if I can escape this this agony that I'm in. And all that shows us that he was man. And as a man, he could not escape the pain and suffering that he was enduring. Now, before before you look at me like, well, why are you this is our savior though. Understand something. It is our simple human nature and an act of a man's will to move back from something that is grievous and assaults our senses. We're going to move back from it. I mean, it's our nature. Oh, this is terrible. And to have a desire for that thing to stop is, 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 is a natural human expression. And for it to be gone, I'm, oh, this is terrible. I want this to stop. That is not, that's not sinful. That's just, that's just human, that's our human nature to remove ourselves from something that's causing us agony and grief. Jesus didn't sin in asking the Father that. The law of self-preservation is imprinted in the innocent nature of man. We want to live. We want to continue on. We don't want to be crushed under something. It is a natural human uh, reaction. And that reaction ruled in him until it was overruled by some other law. And that was the law that he had to go through this. And the Father expressed that to him. 
And that's the only reason why he expressed a reluctance to suffer. Let me tell you why he did. Let me explain it to you. He did it to show that he was truly taken from among men. He did it to show us that he was truly as human as he was God. Hebrews 5 and verse 1, listen to what it says. For every high priest taken from among men. And that's to prove that he was our high priest taken from among men. He is ordained for men and things pertaining to God that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was. He had that guilt and weight of sin on top of him. It was not his. He did not deserve it. It was not anything he had done to, to invite it. He was there to bear it. And he felt it. He felt it. He was tempted in every like manner. How can you say he was tempted in every like manner? Because it was all placed on him. But all the sin of the world was placed upon him. Every sin, every kind of sin was placed upon him and he felt the guilt and the shame and the weight of it. So that's how he was tempted in all like manner as we are. And yet without sin. He didn't sin in asking the Father if it be possible that this cup pass from me. No. Dr. John Rice suggests something that I think is astounding that I never thought of before. But he suggests this, that it wasn't that Christ was necessarily praying for it to all be removed from him, that he didn't have to endure it, but that he was to the point of death. You know what the Bible says. The Bible says it was as great drops of blood that poured from his body. He was enduring as much physical suffering as a body could take. A normal human man, I do not believe, could have took that amount of suffering, and I don't think you believe so either. Our Lord was pressed out of measure. He was at the point of death, and I believe, and I agree with Dr. Rice, he may have very well even been crying out, Father, spare me from dying in this garden. That couldn't have happened. No, because God would have had to raise him up right afterwards so he could have went to the cross and died for our sins because that's the way it was prophesied. But he was at the point of death in that garden. The Bible says so. Listen to it. Listen to what the Word of God says. Hebrews 5, 7, if you want to turn there and look at it with your own eyes, but it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. You see that? That's in the Word of God. And was heard in that he feared. What was he afraid of? I'm going to die in this garden. Father, spare me. Not the suffering. I think, I think, he, I think he, he, he did that to, to show those around him that he was truly man and God and that he was tempted in like manner as we are. But I believe it had some, a connotation to the fact that he didn't want to die in that garden. And his body was about to give out on him. And he prayed, Father, if it be possible. We know from what Luke tells us that an angel came and strengthened him. I was thinking on all this. Yesterday, I thought about all the mamas that I've known over the course of my life. 
and, and I'm talking about good ones. Not so. I've known some sorry ones too that I that ain't worth nothing. But I, I've known some that are, were fantastic mamas. I'm talking about the kind that would charge into a burning building to save their children. And I don't know a mother is worth anything that wouldn't do that. That would risk everything for her children. Throw her own throw her own peace, sanity, and 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 and, and, and life and all that that it pertains to rescue her children from danger. Where do you think that came from? That came from God. God put that into a mother's heart. I don't know of a daddy that's worth anything that wouldn't do the same. If a daddy saw his child was about to, to be to be injured or, or killed, I don't know of a daddy who wouldn't throw himself under the jaws of something to spare his child. God put that into our hearts. And I think of my Savior going into that garden, no matter what it costs, no matter what the pain, no matter what the agony, no matter what I've got to endure, I'm going to do it for mine. That's where that came from. God said, I'm going to endure whatever I've got to endure because those are my children, and I love them. The weight of sin, though crushing it may be to the point of death, I will endure it because I love them. Now, I want us to notice his submission to an agreement with the word of, with the will of God. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. It wasn't that the human will of Christ was, was adverse or averse to the divine will of God. It was in the beginning, again, to show that he was real, that he was human. But now he freely submits himself. I want you to note here that he was freely willing to submit himself to the extreme bitterness of the sufferings for our redemption and salvation, even though even though he had a clear understanding of the severity of it. He knew what he was to endure. And still he offered himself for you. That's how valuable you are to him. That's how much he loves you. He knew what he had to go through. He knew how painful it would be. He knew the agony he would endure as he became sin for you and I. But yet he did it. I want you to notice his willingness to submit. I want you to, 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 to realize that the reason he submitted to his sufferings because it was his Father's will. He says, as thou wilt. Father, it's your will. And that's why I'll do it. It's your will, Father. He bases his willingness on the Father's will. He resolves to do what the Father sent him to do. And therefore, he did what he did. And he did it with delight because it was the will of God. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I delight to do it. See, he'd often, he'd often referred to this fact and, 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 and that it being what drove him and what moved him and what motivated him and carried him through this whole undertaking. It's the Father's will. That's why. It didn't matter the pain. It didn't matter the grief. It didn't matter the agony. It didn't matter the suffering. What it was, it was the Father's will. And whatever the Father willed, that's what he delighted to do, no matter what the cost. John 6, 39 and 40, listen. And this 
is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. I will raise him up at the last day. John 5.30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 4.34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Jesus never was afraid to go through it. I want you to understand that I've read commentators some lily-livered little sissy britches commentators who try to intimate that our Lord was scared to go to Calvary? God forbid, they ought, to all, they ought to all go get a real job and quit doing things to try to besmirch the name of, of Christ. My goodness, our Lord never shirked away from suffering. He never shirked away from anything. He was never afraid of anything. It was His purpose. His entire purpose. It was because he loved you and me. And he was willing to bear anything for you and me. And I want to close with this thought. In order for us to conform to the example of Christ, and we are to conform to the example of Christ, and the Bible tells us that in Romans over in chapter 8, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And it's that we may be conformed into the image of his Son. That's what the Bible tells us. All these things happening to us, all these things taking place in our, in our life, why? They're working together for our good, that we may be conformed into the image of his Son. So God wants us to be conformed to him. And in order for us to conform to the example of Christ, we must drink the bitter cup that God puts in front of us. Sometimes God's going to hand you a bitter cup to drink. Sometimes God's going to say, look here, you're going to have to go through something that you don't like, and it's going to hurt, but I'm going to be there in your sufferings. I'm going to be there to be your comfort. I'm going to uphold you with everlasting arms. You can make it through what you're about to go through. This is for your good, even though you can't see it on this end. When you get on the other side of it, you'll see that this was for your good, but it ain't going to feel good going through it, but I'm going to carry you through it. You're going to be handed a bitter cup at times in life. Drink it. God has a plan. Don't fuss. Don't complain. Don't give up. Don't say, well, I'm done with church. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Listen to me. God has a plan. God has a plan. Even though your nature is going to struggle sometimes, and it will. Through God's grace, we have to submit because God will give us enough grace. As Paul said that, that night, he prayed three times, Lord, please remove this thorn from me. And I believe, I believe it was his eyesight that he couldn't see. I believe he prayed, God, please heal my eyes three times. He, he, he pleaded, Lord, that this thorn be removed from me. And what did Jesus say to Paul? Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And Paul said, well, then most gladly. I can't remember exact word, but he's saying, I'll rejoice in my hardships and my troubles and my infirmities, my trials, that the, that the power of God may rest on me. See, he saw these empty cups as a deficit. 
it's like an empty cup for God to pour out his grace into. This, this, this suffering was, was a setback for God to give him a step forward, you see. It was something he had to go through in order to trust God to fill up the emptiness, the void that this left. But when it came to Christ, he didn't have anything like that in his life. He had nothing to get out of his life. He was perfect. He just took it. He stepped in under the crushing blow of sin, and he bore it on his own back that we wouldn't have to. All of the sins you've ever committed and ever will commit were placed on our Savior that night in the garden. He was carrying our sins. When we see him there in the garden, we need to remember that our sins are on his back, that our sins crushed him to the ground, that our sins caused him to cry out. This week of thanksgiving that we've just had, we need to remember that. He's done it all for us. He loves us with a love we can't even comprehend on this earth. I want to just end with this, but when we become willing like Christ was, when our wills are in everything melted into his will, even though it's displeasing to the flesh and blood, even though we can't stand it, God's will be done. God's will be done. And it can be that way. You can get through things that you didn't think you could ever get through. You can endure things you never thought you could endure. If you'll simply say, God's will be done, and you just trust that God has a plan that's greater than yours, and even though you can't see the way, God will make a way. Even though the skies are black and gloomy, God will part the clouds. God will show you the sun again. It will shine. Just keep walking. Trust him. Even though you may be in agony, cry out to him for comfort in the midst of it. Cry out, oh, Father, because he's there to comfort and help. I'll look at the words of Paul. When Paul, in Acts chapter 21, he was about to leave and go to Jerusalem, and they pleaded with him, and they said, if you go, you're going to be bound. If you go, you're going to suffer things. Oh, you don't want to have to go through all these sufferings. Don't do it. The Bible said, and when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem, and then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and break mine heart? Why are you making me hurt like this? Don't make me up. Don't hurt. Don't hurt me. Don't beg me not to go. Don't put me in this position, he's saying. For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul said, I'm ready to drink that cup. And when he, would not, we, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying the will of the Lord be done. Paul said, you know what? For Christ, who has done everything for me, going to jail ain't no big deal. Dying ain't no big deal. I buried a church member in Paris years ago, one of the most faithful church members I've ever known. Such a sweet, godly lady. And she wouldn't let anybody know what she wanted picked out for her funeral songs. And only told me. The last song they played was this. It was a joke song. It said, death ain't no big deal. <laughs> let me tell you something. Everything we go through on this earth, it may seem like a big deal, but it ain't that big a deal. God can get us through it.
Even the troubles in our nation right now, they seem scary, but God will get us through it. God will take you through anything that you got to go through. If Christ was able to endure what he endured for us, we can endure whatever we must endure for him. Look to him. Look at him. Look on it. Think on it. Meditate on it. Consider it. Let it soak into your brain what he has done for you. And let the, let, let the, let the gratitude begin to flow from your heart. And when it begins to fill your life, you know what? It'll start flowing out to other people. And that's what this Christian life's all about. Let's stand. Number 313, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we sing. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, we're thankful for our Savior. Lord, I still feel as though I didn't even scratch the surface. Oh, my Father, please, let your Spirit continue to work and do what I cannot do. I pray, Father, the Spirit of God might just echo these things in our soul today. That He's done all for us. He went through everything that He went through that we can't even fathom. The pain, the agony, the grief that he bore for us. Oh, Father, may we, may we come and, and, and give glory to him and, and, and be grateful and praise his holy name. And, Lord, let that gratitude spill out into our personality, into our life, into our words, our actions. Father, may it cause us to, 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 to treat other people with, with, with love and mercy and kindness. Lord, with a, with a heart that wants to share Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, for our people here. And I pray for those under the sound of my voice that, that are listening in. Father, I pray, Lord, for those who are not saved. Father, I pray that they would, they would this day realize that their sin has is, is got them on a, on a nonstop course to hell. And, Father, if they don't come to Christ, if they don't believe on his shed blood, if they don't believe on him as their Savior, they will spend eternity there. Father, I pray for them today that they would turn around in repentance and, and look to Christ and believe upon him that he died, was buried, and rose again for them according to the Scriptures, that they would believe and trust him as their Savior. The Lord, even now where they are, they might cry out and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Forgive my sins. Make me white as snow. Save my soul. Oh, if you'd pray to him, he'd save you today. Father, I pray, Lord, for the one that, Lord, it may have gotten cold in heart. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we look upon Jesus and his, his bearing our sins, Lord, that it might cause us, to, Lord, the stony parts of our heart to fall away, Lord, that we might be renewed in tenderness of heart toward thee. Father, bless the invitation now. Blessed in Christ's name. Amen. 313, as we sing, you do what you need to do. Come now if you need to. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. 
do not carry everything to God in prayer? Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Praise God, and he can handle it. I mean, he bore the weight of the sin of the world. There's nothing he can't handle that we can throw at him. Take it to him in prayer. <clears throat> Amen. I hope you'll be back tonight at 6. We're going to be back tonight in, in our uh, commandments of Christ concerning our actions. And uh, please be back tonight and get something. This stuff's good. I'm telling you, it, it, we're, it's kind of a Bible study. It's not really necessarily preachy. We're just kind of breaking down what Christ said about all these things. And that way we can apply it to our lives. You know, if we don't really realize that's what he said, then we don't really know we're supposed to do this or that with it. So it, it's really it's really rich, it's good, and it'll help you. So I urge you to be back tonight, and uh, and let's get in the Word of God together. Amen. And those of you that's eating Thanksgiving today, enjoy yourself. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go eat something good myself. Leftovers. Hallelujah. They're still just as good as it was the first time. Any word from anybody before we dismiss? Let me remind you, okay? All those gospel tracts and booklets and things that I had laid out in the back, I have laid them out again. Those that you picked out, you said, I'd like to have a copy of that, those are in the box, okay? Those that are laid out are ones that nobody has looked at and said, hey, I'd like to get some of those. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to leave them out until next Sunday. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to pick them up, and I'm going to place the order. So you've got... Today, tonight, and Wednesday, if you'd like to get, go through there, look at it. If you see one and you say, I'd like, to put, I'd like to carry some of them in my car. I'd like to have some of them in my purse. I'd like to take some of them with me and leave in bathrooms or when you pay, pay for your meal at a restaurant or you want to leave it, leave it on top of a newspaper box. Wherever you want to leave them, that's what they're there for. It's for somebody to go, what's that? Huh, and get saved. It's just a simple, God can use that. And, and, and that's a powerful ministry that not many people are doing. So, you know, how, let me ask you this. How many of you in your life have been somewhere and saw a gospel tract laying somewhere? Raise your hand if you have. One, two, three. Hold it up. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay? Just in this church building, look how many people have, have found one. If we'd all start passing them out, guess how many other people could join that number? <laughs> Amen? All right. Just want to remind you that. Get them. Look and, and do what you will, and then we're going to get some, okay? All right, let's be dismissed to the word of prayer. I'll see you back here tonight. Brother Tony, dismiss us in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for And stay warm because it looked like getting colder. Yeah, really? I don't. I ain't kept up with it. God bless you, buddy. It may be. God bless you, brother Tony.
God bless you. Sure glad to have you all here today. Man, I know you got your hands full. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Private said in camouflage. Well, it, the, when the when the when the drill sergeant said, "Private, I ain't seen you in camouflage class in over a week." He said, "I'm getting pretty good, ain't I?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, those guys that really know about camouflage, mm-hmm. if they don't move. Slow their heart rate down, all kind of stuff. No, but if they don't move, you, 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 they'll blend in so well. You yeah. just never, never see. I know. I, every now and then I get one of them pictures of, can you find anything? You, you see anything in this picture, and eventually you're like, oh, there's a guy sitting there with a gun. <laughs> but you don't want to ever, you can't see it unless you're looking hard and you know it's there. You're right. I used to have a friend had a ghillie suit. Those snipers in the dog. Nom? Yeah. Whatever they scrolled through, that's what they had on. They couldn't be a smoker, I don't reckon. I don't reckon a sniper, sniper could be a smoker. He'd go to itching for a cigarette after a while. No, that's the first thing you give up. Yeah. Of course, what a lot of amateurs do is they over camouflage. You can spot that in a minute. Mm hmm. We're going to have a trailer to do camouflage. Do what? 